take three. <laughs> they don't need to know what take is. I mean, it could no, be. No, we'll cut that out. <laughs> how, do you, how many takes do you think normal episodes of, or podcasts do? Do they think they do like one, two, five? Or they just have editors, real editors, who sit there. You're a real editor. Me? Yeah. Oh, thank do you. You. Think, you think they can hear our... our our third party. <laughs> That's a, Can you guys hear our cat who's outside meowing at us? Well, She's f- so mad. The first time we did this, we had a, a third party that was Siri on my watch. Yeah. Now we have a third party that is one of our cats. Outside. <laughs> I, like, I lovingly call her Black Thunder or Black Bean. We know what beans lead to. What? Farts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nobody heard the second take. We had... We had we're having talk- this is great we were talking about farts and how many times a day is it appropriate to fart but this episode has nothing to do with farts it has to do if with- you have a question though you should let us know because i definitely had that question <laughs> but wait it does have to do with movement it does and well, hey guess what your smooth muscle in your in- in digestion system is moving is almost moving. all the time uh, and that's actually really what we're talking about hey i'm julie And I'm David, and we're fitness and nutrition coaches who want to give you a buttload of nuanced knowledge so you can make informed choices, feel confident, and live healthful, action-packed lives on your own terms. In a world saturated with fad diets and fear-mongering, we mix science, real science, not flashy influencer pseudoscience, and sociology to help you embrace your humanness and find balance and health in a fashion that only promotes joy, freedom, and happiness. We work with all kinds, from youth athletes to grandparents, and encourage everyone to get curious about themselves and make choices that feel great, or to stop setting goals and to actually start living them. Your needs are unique, and probably not all episodes are for all people. We'll try and specify beforehand. So, if you are sick of feeling confused, unmotivated, or lost when it comes to fitness and nutrition, let this be your last fitness and nutrition podcast. Or maybe you're getting started on a fitness journey to build strength, endurance, or improve your athleticism. And we're here to help. So let's start being Being human human through fitness fitness and and nutrition. nutrition. Julie was... um... Julie was somewhat, uh, I don't want to say taken back by the the kind of framework that I put out here, but it was different than I think that she was expecting. I think it's going to be different than what you guys are expecting. But, you know, this podcast is, anybody could sit here and talk to you about, well, these are what you should do for health, and this is blah, 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 blah. But you've probably noticed that we take this kind of more whole health, philosophical, big picture thing, and I let David make the, the structure and content for this episode. And I was looking at it, and I was like, oh. Wow, this is not what people are going to expect. And I think it's, and here's the thing, if you want to become a professional CrossFitter or do bodybuilding or sign up for Orange Theory, excellent. That obviously is something that exists in culture, but that's been around in culture. And is there another layer we can approach all of this from that is A, free, B, um, it, it implores you to make decisions that come from yourself and your own needs it's a lot more personal and connected to uh, a a a not spiritual place just an evolving an aware place aware intentionality intentional place one of the one of the themes that i've noticed uh in our last couple episodes and it's going to be in this episode as well which is autonomy or ownership Mm. um i think there's a lot of times and and this can be an uncomfortable I, i think it's it's maybe even a little bit um contrarian or a little bit like a lot of people just kind of want to be told what to do mm-hmm. um and julie and i don't necessarily love that um that coaching structure or that coaching style there are times where it's very much appropriate mm. um and if 
somebody is coming to us directly and wants direction, we will give them direction. Yes. Um, but I think both of us believe that in order for there to be long-term, sustainable, longevinous change, some of that has to be internalized or owned. There has to be some uh, uh, ownership, authority, uh, autonomy at your level, the person who's listening to this, in order for that to be something that sticks and takes for a long period of time. Yeah, absolutely. So hang, keep your mind wide open. Did we already talk about which episode this was? I, th- no, I can't remember now. No, I think no. this, is, <laughs> this is take three. Uh, so this is the sibling episode. Sibling episode. Of the the last full episode that we did, the State of the Human Nutrition Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode we are calling Fitness Movement for Every Body. Every body. So it's not just for everybody, but it's for every body. Everybody. Yes, because we all have these bodies. We uh, have to feed them. We... We don't have to move them, but your body's going to move itself regardless. Movement is part of, is is a natural is a natural uh, law, natural tenant of of life. Yeah, and we spent some time kind of chatting about the difference between exercise and movement. And when people hear fitness, they immediately think exercise, but exercise was invented not long ago. Only it's a it's a man made invention. It's a right? man made invention. Humans have been around for. 20,000 years? Yeah, so like modern modern humans, 20,000 years. I think it was Homo sapiens, maybe mil, maybe a million years? I don't know. I'm, my my um, <laughs> We're way off, but... What's that called? My anthro... My anthro... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anthropology? There we go. My anthropology is not as strong. So I love li- learning about it, and a lot of my uh, my beliefs about fitness as and movement as it currently stands come through that, that, that lens of evolution. Um, and yet I don't know the exact dates as well. Yeah, but anyways, exercise then was what? Invented in the 50s or the 60s? And it wasn't it so funny just to think about even how far now we've come from that? Like the little shake belts that people had. Sometimes you see pictures of the strong women However, from the 1930s, oh, and that's cool. Uh, some of these things come back around though, right? Like, because now there's things, there were things like shake weights were just a little bit ago, and now there's like... Oh, the rappers on yep. TikTok or whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, that's in the that's in the vein of if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, and so this the the thirty thousand the forty thousand foot view that we're taking we're starting this episode with is going to be this concept that motion or movement is a, a function of life, and it, it's our natural state to be in. It's a it's a it's a foundational aspect of humanity of of, of life. Um, that I think has been kind of um, bucketized or has been kind of constricted into this concept of exercise. Yeah. And so the first step was to kind of take a step back. Um, And so we'll kind of get into that. Absolutely. So the way we're going to kind of structure this episode is we've got four concepts for you that we've kind of broken up as ways to approach movement, fitness for health without the lens of exercise we'll get there in concept four if we want but it's not necessary and most importantly these are gonna as we're talking through these it's gonna be very personalized and individualized so let your brain run uh get ready to think some cool thoughts each of these concepts we just have some steps that are not required just ideas of there would be ways ways to put the the concepts into action yeah how you know loose how to take the concepts into action so they can fit around your life and your needs and your priorities and values especially because as it comes to behavior which is really ultimately what we're talking about with these things is is how we act as humans uh you can you know analysis by paralysis is a real thing you can try and learn and learn and learn and learn and know and know and know but until you actually turn around and do yeah um 
to Julie's point about do what's, you know, you're the master of you, knowing a whole lot of stuff doesn't help you understand you. One of the concepts I love about precision nutrition is this concept of the owner's manual. Yeah. Like you have an operator's manual, owner's manual for your TV. You have an owner's or operator's manual for your lawn care. Your car. Your car, all these things, but there's no owner's manual for ourselves. Yeah. um, that would be a great episode, wouldn't it? Well, we, I think it might, might be beneficial as we talk about behavior. We're talking about... But you got to write your own owner's manual. So maybe, yeah. But, but in order to, to write that owner's manual, you have to be doing things and then taking note or... Learning. Learning about what that, how, how it treated you. And so there's going to be a lot of that as we go through these steps, which is in order for there to be any type of benefit behind these this stuff that we talk about, action needs to be taken. Once action is taken, then you can start to kind of reassess and say, was that a good action? Was did, Could I have done better? And I really like the Bruce Lee concept of um, absorb that's what, that which is useful and discard that which isn't. Nice. And, and I think that works really well for movement. I think that works really well for, for nutrition. Now, we talked about there's probably a, uh, what do you want to call it, like general principles, like a like a thou shalt not, minimums, if you will, which Minim- we'll talk about here yeah. in a second. Um, thou shalt not go below. But there, for, the, for the vast majority of things, you can get – pretty uh julie likes the word to use the word nuance i like to use the word like flexible like you can there's lots of ways to 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 skin this concept absolutely should we start with our concepts then? let's go concept number one is that are you gonna are you just gonna leave that or are you gonna put music on that uh, there'll be some music but i, think I really kind of also... hope that you just boop, 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 boop. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the uh, what was that? Big Hero 6? Oh, I love that. I love that movie. Should we or should we not use more sound effects in our podcast? You, you let us know. <laughs> um, okay, so this is the concept number one. Julie didn't actually say it. She just said concept number one. Concept number one. Uh, and this is the con- uh, this idea of owning what you, your definition of fitness is. And we, we, we call this your fitness mission statement. Fitness mission statement. Um, if you're not familiar with the what a mission statement is often this is used for businesses and it's kind of a way for uh, a collective to sharpen their focus and organize themselves in one specific direction and that's kind of what you're doing about i mean how many how many days do you sit on the couch and be like i should work out i should lay here mm. i should this, it's organizing your you know what you want to call it your your collective yourself in a direction when it comes to fitness and a lot of times um we have this uh a uh belief as to what fitness is, but this allows you to now take some ownership of what that belief is. More often than not, um, we do uh, a process. We do consultations at CrossFit Northland, and those consultations, almost always, invariably, somebody says, I want to be fit. And I'm like, well, what does that mean to you? And more often than not, the person hasn't had a uh, uh, there's no there's no been no thought behind it, so it's a, a thought or a belief that was handed to them mm. um, that either they feel like oh well, I know it when I see it, which is fine as or a definition. Or I should I, I should, should be able to have a nine minute mile. I should, right. and it's but but why? And it's all it is is a, is, a, is a statement of intent. So it's what you want to do, how you want to live, um, what will guide you. And this could even be you could use this for fitness, but it could also be for your nutrition fitness statement as well. It could guide your food. It could guide the choices that you make that you make in terms of helping you feel better, move better, um, exist in the world better. Um, and so essentially you're going to be, uh, this, with this concept, you're going to be taking a little bit of ownership as to what it is that you're looking for, um, what you expect out of yourself from a movement perspective. Uh, and the first step of this, of this mission statement concept is to get curious about yourself. Um, 
which sounds kind of silly. And, I know. <laughs> we're talking about movement. Are you going to tell me to go run? No, we're going to tell you to get curious about what what you, before, what do you care about? Before you start moving, it's beneficial to take a little bit of uh, time for reflection, for um, asking some of these questions. So it's who am I uh, and who have I become? Who do I want to be? Why do I want to be that way? Uh, who do, what do I stand for? What is meaningful and important to me? Those are all like those are all like big, broad, general questions when it comes to the fitness aspect. And if you want to do a mission, like a personal mission statement for yourself, that's, there's lots of uh, authors out there who have mentioned that as a great way to create motivation, create direction around a certain individual's life. But since we're talking about fitness specifically, say, uh, uh, where do I want to go in my life with regards to how I can, how I can support that through fitness, through nutrition, health behaviors? Uh, how do I know if I'm making progress? What do I truly enjoy doing? That could be fitness-wise or otherwise. Uh, if I had control, total control of my health, fitness, and or nutrition path, what would that look like? Mm. What would you be able to do? What would you, how would, what would a, sp- a certain, every day of the week look like? What would you like to do? What would you like to do? Um, and then the, the kind of the, where I was going with the definition of fitness is what does fitness mean to you? This might not be a very quick um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exercise. Discovery. Th- discovery. Yeah. You're going to be um, likely spending a little bit of time doing this, whether that's a, you know an hour that you're spending journaling or if you are, um, you know, want to spend a couple days doing it, uh, whatever it might be, you can, you can spend, take some time because this is ultimately something that you are wanting to uh, use as a guiding light. Yeah. As your, as your, what's that little lighthouse, right? Yeah. That, that, that allows you to, Stay on the path that you want to stay on. It's a good step one, I think, for sure. Absolutely. Step two. Look for themes that reappear. What do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? Yeah. Um, so if you consider all these answers together, what are some common, common ideas that kind of filter through in different areas of your life? Like, um, Can you think about when you've talked to somebody at a nutrition consult or a fitness consult and they, you hear certain themes? What, what would some of those themes be? A lot of the, sometimes I hear themes of well, I want to do all this, but I don't have the time. Uh, a lot of people feeling guilty about putting themselves first. If I spend this money on myself, and then I'm taking time away from my kids, then I'm a bad parent. Or, um, or other themes like I need to be the best. I need to win this. I need yeah. to be better than I was the day before. I need to. Uh, that's another theme, you know. And so um, some of those some of those themes you could take a probably. Uh, um a little step back from and say, okay, there's kids mentioned in there. So being a parent, yeah. how, how is being a parent, how does that uh, affect your fitness desires? And that could be like, Oh, I want to be a good role model for my right. kids. Right. I want to be around when they have kids. If you're a busy individual, which is one of the things she mentioned as well, maybe that's a efficiency is important to me. Sure. I, I want to, I want to compartmentalize and that that's a perfectly fine way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily, it's the only way mean it's the only way to go about it, but it is one way. Um, and then lastly, the step three would be see if you can capture the essence in a uh, several sentence or a couple paragraphs. Um, and this could look like a, a longer form, something that you write down. And you could put it in a journal if you're a journaler. It could go in your phone if you're somebody who uses the notes app in your phone. Um, but it's going to capture all of this, all of these um, questions that we've asked yourself into a, uh, a, a statement of intent, a mission statement, if you will. Yeah a mission statement that you can just kind of revert back to and lead by. I do think it's so funny. We're talking about fitness and moving and concept one and the first three steps were just about 
clearing your brain. <laughs> it was all about your the fitness in your head first because if you it's almost like if you don't do that, like maybe we'll just be training for marathons and busting our Achilles tendon 10 times without and feeling terrible and not really knowing why, you know? There will always be somebody fitter than you. There will always be somebody who can run faster or has more muscles or is more snatched looking if that's important to you. I'm over it. But uh like so and all of that noise is so loud in our culture. So it's uh, I just think it's really cool that number one has nothing to do with moving it at all. It has to be about laying the fertilizer and the groundwork in your brain to then build healthful habits that serve you and you only. And it, that also the doing that doing that exercise might be beneficial to come after you listen to this whole episode. Yeah. Um, because your your um, preconceived notions, your experiences to this point might shape what you say. And as we get into these next couple concepts, you might say, huh, I've never thought about it that yeah. way. Maybe that will change the way that I think about my fitness mission statement. And these evolve throughout the courses of your life. Absolutely. Uh, every you know year, three years, five years, even, hey, six months. Um, I think even if we did, if me, David and I made this episode six months ago, it wouldn't be the episode it is today. If we made it two years ago, it wouldn't be the episode it is yeah. today. Wow. Cool stuff. Concept two. Concept number two. What is it? Concept number two is thinking about a day or your life or whatever, daily minimums and viewing things on a spectrum of one to ten. And truly that spectrum could be any numbers, right? But this concept of... Zero to a hundred, yeah. We like to think in terms of all or nothing. Yes. Like we like to think of as binary, as zeros or ones. Either I did or I didn't. I won or I lost. Um, and movement, similar to nutrition, doesn't necessarily ascribe to that binary ones and loss system. Yeah. One, ones and zeros, wins and losses system. Wins and, losses. Uh, and when you kind of approach movement through this kind of spectrum lens of where, where are you right now? How busy are you? What kind of environment do you find yourself in? Do you have multiple kids who are all at home who are all requiring your attention? Are you a, uh, a military individual who's on travel and who's away from their family and away from their friends? Uh, each of these situations might require different daily minimums. But if you have this concept of, at the very least, I want to do X, Y, Z for my movement, yeah, that is a lot easier to live into and to approach from a standpoint of, quote unquote, winning and losing than if you just expect yourself to be perfect. And knowing, you know, when you go below your minimum, you feel that and you're like, oh, this is below my minimum. I'm not feeling too hot. Let's work on getting back up to my minimum. And then maybe in a season where we have more time, we say, okay, I want to go above my minimum. I liked, uh, you know, like thinking like as if eating a certain amount, a minimum amount of protein, our body needs so much protein in order to prevent malnourishment. So similarly, we could use that concept kind of for movement, like thresholds of movement. Minimally, I need this much activity, maybe this much uh, minutes of sedentary stuff, maybe this much, you know, minutes of weightlifting or yoga to make sure that I feel calibrated and okay. Because certain things like sitting down, sitting at a desk, running to get your groceries are all movement patterns within our life. Some of them are going to support us. Some are going to be a little less helpful, but just kind of finding that balance place for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of that is determined by your goals and what your, what your direction and what you're hoping to get out of 
quote-unquote exercise or movement actually is. And this spectrum, this 1 to 10, could look like the very lowest could be I'm going to park farther away from the grocery store. When I go to work, I'm going to park in the last row and I'm going to walk. Yeah. Could be I'm going to take the stairs. Yeah. It could be uh, whenever I find myself in a situation where I could walk or bike to the restaurant or the grocery store or wherever, I'm going to walk or bike to that yeah. that item. On the high end, the 9, 8, 9, 10 might look like I'm going to five hours of exercise where I do strength training and conditioning or strength training and cardio a week. Like there's there's more than just I'm either exercising in a gym or I'm not. Yes. There's, there's more than just I am uh, strength training or I am not. And regardless of whether you're working at the ones, twos, and threes or you're living at the seven, eight, nines, it's, it's motivated by your own – It's it's dictated by what you want and what aligns with your goals and values. The, the middle ground is kind of a great place where a lot of normal people, normal people, everyone's normal, but where a lot of people are going to live. I want to, you know, maybe get a little bit of mobility in the morning so that my shoulders don't hurt. And maybe I want to do a little bit of strength training to build up. So to prevent, prevent back pain, um, that kind of, so we just encourage you once again, I can't tell you what to do, but it's going to be very situation specific. However, um, I do believe that we could probably all as a society, uh, as a society, yeah, handle more movement than we're currently getting. Yeah, than the average. And that's not anybody's fault. It's nope. not because we're more, lazy. I'm going to honestly say people who are probably listening to this podcast, you guys are probably doing fine in terms of the amount of movement you're getting on a daily basis. Maybe you could walk more. Maybe you could stand more. You could find yourself in resting postures where you're on the floor as opposed to in a chair for sure but like as a society i think that more often than not western society especially more and more um more and more sedentary yeah more and more office work i mean that's 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 a process of industrialization yeah so like you know we one of our takes previously we talked about the fact that in the 1800s i think 65 percent of the planet worked in some sort of agrarian or agricultural scenario where they were on farms and now it's three percent of the world Mm -hmm. lives lives in those or works in those types of environments and more often than not people are working at desks or sitting there for hours of the day and i've i've had lots of uh of clients be, be see success from a movement perspective by just getting up and walking around taking a 10 minute walk every two hours mm-hmm. buying get, a desk that kind of can convert from standing to sitting just yeah. to get variation in your movement patterns uh, absolutely myself I've seen value in finding myself sitting on the floor more because I find myself when I do that I don't get super comfortable and so I move yeah did we tell them we're sitting on the floor for this episode I don't honestly don't remember oh, we, we did three takes in the beginning it was we had technical difficulties but we have been standing the last several episodes two episodes yeah and now we're in these like squatty positions on the floor sitting I'm on my knees what do they call it the cowboy position uh, basically finding yourself on the floor can be really good for your ankle joints and your knee joints. So just having that variation. But now we're getting a little off. We're, we get excited and go and on we'll, a tangent. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in another episode yeah, where we talk so, about how to live life pain-free. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But step four is deciding where you are at and what your minimums are. And more often than not, this looks like uh, some sort of movement in a short amount of time. Yeah. So Julie knows that she feels better. If you are, if you practice yoga. Yeah, that's kind of like if I'm 
I, I notice when I don't do it, I suffer the consequences. I get more uh, neck or trap tension. I get headaches. I shoulder will get issues. Shoulder get... issues, a cramp in my hip. And then it's back. crazy if I just kind of take the 10 to 15 minutes in the morning to open my thoracic spine and yep. stretch out my hip flexors and even maybe do like a little bit of planking and like Superman. Yep. Well, this hang in there it's okay uh all of that is just kind of calibration and when i do that oh my god i feel six years younger <laughs> and so julie's uh, <gasps> min- uh movement minimum might look like is it what 20 minutes yeah like 15 20 minutes in the morning 15 to 20 minutes of yoga in the morning yeah that could be her daily movement minimum maybe she doesn't get to the gym that day maybe she doesn't able isn't even able to go out for a walk she likes going for walks too i like going for walks as well but Maybe that doesn't happen, but that mo- movement minimum, of, at least I'm going to get yoga. Yeah. In. And sometimes it, you don't meet your minimum. It's okay. I just know. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm craving to get it back. And that could look like there's other ways to create these types of habits of do it five times a week or three times a week yeah. or whatever it might look like. Um, and, and this could also be like taking a 12-minute walk, 10-minute walk after lunch, taking three five-minute breaks from the desk to do some air squats or to do some lunges or to do some burpees if you're somebody who's crazy <laughs> and loves burpees. Whoa. But having some amount of movement and some short period of time as your daily movement minimum uh, would be the step that you would take to uh, exercise or to put that concept into action. Yeah. Concept number three. This concept is uh, – Julie loves this one. This is actually probably her – when it comes to her guiding principle in terms of how she exercises, typically her guiding principle, uh, and that is focusing on how things feel – um, and, and or technique. So technique is, uh, my definition of technique is um, the way that you accomplish a task. Um, and I think that there are way, there are, I'm going to call it good and bad technique, but I, really it's, there's techniques that if you overutilize them can lead to, uh, can le- lead to pain or discomfort over time. There are techniques based upon what task you're doing that can lead to you not feeling pain and discomfort over time. So when I think, when I think about this, for those of you who are listening who have been in a gym environment, if you're picking something up off the ground and you do so with a super rounded back, maybe you do that a couple times and you're fine. If you do that every single day for the rest of your life, you might have some low back issues. You might have some hip issues that you have to deal with. And technique, in my definition, good technique would be learning to do the task in a way that allows you to continue to do it without without bad things happening. Yeah, without dis- disintegration. Dis- yeah. Disintegration and... I think this is always a cool thing to think about is that bones only go where your muscles tell them to. Yep. So when we think about having mobility problems, like I can't touch the floor, I can't touch my toes or my hips are tight. Um, your bones don't go there cause your muscles are, do not have the, uh, and it's not even the space. A lot of it comes from your brain. This was such a huge thing. Well, I was like, gonna say it's, you, you said your muscles won't let them. I was going to say technically that's your brain. Won't your let. brain won't let your muscles go. So what? When you think about flexibility and gaining mobility, uh, which the difference between flexibility and mobility, is that too nerdy? Should we go there? Let's do it. Well, I mean, we're, Flexibility we're, is the passive range of motion. Like you can sit in the splits. That's pretty flexible. Or imagine you're sitting on a chiropractor's table or a physical therapist's table and they take your arm up over your head. Yeah, that's flexibility. You're not it doing it. Go they're taking you. Mobility is the ability to control that movement. So like when a ballerina stands on one leg and lifts the other one way up in the sky, that's mobility because she's holding it there herself. She, he, ballerinas are men too. Um, and, but doing the splits is passive because gravity is the one pushing you. Flexibility versus mobility. Uh, 
But anyways, and our mobility and flexibility is actually dictated by our brain, which tells our muscles, which tells our bones. And if it's one of those things, if we don't intentionally kind of program our brain and our muscles, uh, society, the world, our daily activities will do it for us. So our environment. Our environment will do it for us. Uh, and so this concept of good form, you're really building upon. Now we're getting to the point where you're, you exist in the world. Like you have this environment that you're living in. Gravity acts on you throughout every, the course of every single day. So whether or, not, whether or not you like it, you have to deal with external loads. Yeah. The load of your body. If you're carrying a backpack, the load of the backpack. If you're carrying a briefcase, the load of the briefcase. Like that's just an aspect of human existence. Um, and over time, time is really a, an important concept here as well, uh, those, the, the, the dealing with that load can lead to problems. And so more often than not, good technique allows you to continue. So like if you're thinking about uh, walking, if you're thinking about standing or sitting or whatever you might do, be doing, good technique would be something that allows you to do that for a longer period of time um, as opposed to just learning how to deal with. So let's think about the, the postural issues that people might have when they sit. Uh, more often than not, when we sit, we find if we're at a computer, we have our shoulders kind of hunched forward. We have our head that kind of comes forward as well. There's a weight that's associated with all that stuff, pulling on the muscles, pulling on the bones. Uh, and then over time can lead to neck discomfort or shoulder discomfort. I have a, I, I couldn't, I, if I had a dollar for every single person who's come to me uh, and who has had shoulder issues or neck issues because of a, 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 a desk environment that they found themselves yeah, in. Yeah, or even driving or texting, yeah. just that shoulder. I had a shoulder. I had a shoulder tweak um, when Julie and I went out to Colorado when we were hiking, which you find yourself in kind of a forward shoulder rolled position when you're carrying your backpack. And I was in the car with my shoulders forward as I, you know, I had my my hand on the driver's wheel, and I got back into the gym, and all of a sudden my left shoulder really, really hurt. And it wasn't anything necessarily movement wise that I did. It was just a position I found myself in over time. All that to be said is that good form doesn't necessarily mean just something on a deadlift. Doesn't necessarily just mean something on a squat. It could be just how you're sitting at your desk, standing, how you're standing, how your how your posture, how your 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 system, your bone system, your skeletal system is all aligned uh, throughout the day and throughout the course of activities that you're doing. And being aware of those things is really kind of what I'm getting at here, which is yeah. we need to be somewhat aware of them because if we find ourselves having pain throughout the day, that's a communicate that's a communicator it's your it's your body telling you something about what you're doing with it yeah pain i mean obviously pain is not comfortable but those little tweaks that we get those are that's feedback it's your body saying yo something's not lined up and you're putting too much strain here hello 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 so uh yeah that's a it's a good thing i mean it's not it's annoying but yes it's telling us so that we can <laughs> you have the choice to see it as a negative or as a feedback okay there's something i can i can fix so that i am even better in my 70s and 80s and yeah? that's honestly too that's a that's a, a, a mental process perspective shift yeah, yeah perspective shift that you can do something in, about your the way your body feels yeah more often than not so the steps associated with uh concept number three uh, step number five, change your thoughts and change your movement patterns. <laughs> so yeah, the the change those those are both uh, step one I would call it. Step one. Oh okay. Um, those have to do with you. I was doing yeah steps. Uh, step the ne the next step after change so it's change your thoughts and movement patterns and or change your environment. So that's the external structure and the routine of your day. So. Uh, if you say, David, I have to sit, I find myself driving a truck and or I drive a car for a living. It's like, OK, what ca what kind of brakes can we put into that environment so that we are better 
uh, our day is better structured in a way that we can move. Right. What kind of stretches can we do before work or after work to help counteract you know, the sitting position. What kind of movement practice do you get into that allows you to, to explore ranges that you don't while you're sitting yeah. at your at your Even truck? how you sit, like where are your shoulders? Right. Like One of the things, so I've, I've been on the past uh, several months now kind of embarking down this more of a movement and mobility pattern, uh, path. Most of my, uh, I guess my practice has been just changing the way that I rest. Mm. And I men we mentioned that we're sitting on the floor, so more often than not, I'm not sitting in a chair, which was causing my hips and my low back to have some issues. Yeah. More often than not, now I'm finding myself in a, you know, a, either a deep squat or a crisscross applesauce or a cowboy position or a seiza sit. And one of these, um, uh, all I'm doing is essentially changing my resting. How has it changed? My your mobility, life? my mobility has never been better. I, noise. My knees, my hips, my low back, which is really kind of where this all came from. Um, haven't felt better than they have recently, so I've I've kind of become a uh, evangelist for re changing the way that you rest because it's a, it's the ninety percent of your day, right? It's yeah. ninety percent of your day is not going to be spent exercising, quote unquote, going to the gym and exercising, unless you're Michael Phelps who spends six to eight hours a day swimming. Yeah. More often than not, you're going to be sitting, you're going to be standing at a store uh, in a line, you're going to be driving your car, and so these 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 concepts of form outside of the gym is more about how can you reevaluate or change your, the lens of what you think exercise is in a way that's like, how do we move more and experience the ranges of motion that the body is expecting to experience in order to keep ourselves feeling good Yeah. for long periods of time? Cool. Last up, and this is going to be the concept where we really kind of, I guess, give you, uh, what do I want to call it? Like a, a filter through which you can kind of look at movement practices. Mm. Um, some of this is going to be biased to CrossFit, and that's one of the reasons why I own a CrossFit gym, which is I think that they did a very good job of defining what fitness was. And I have, for a long time, I just accepted their definition of fitness, yeah. which is a pretty damn good definition it of is. fitness. Um, it, to their ability to increase work capacity across broad time and modal domains, which is the kind of the definition of your ability to do things, right? Yeah. Like doing what you want to be able to do. I still utilize that as kind of my concept of fitness. I want to be able to go on a hike or play a game of basketball or – a game of sand volleyball, or if Julie wants to go for a walk, go for a walk. It doesn't matter how long the walk is. I know I can probably do that. That's still integrated into my definition definition of fitness. Mm -hmm. But as you're looking at this, um, I'm, I'm going to break it down into kind of four main categories. So okay. this, this so fourth concept has fourth concept. Okay. Has the step of this fourth concept, if you will, is to analyze a movement practice, whether that be Zumba, whether that be CrossFit, whether that be uh, I don't know why jazzercise came to mind, but I think I said <laughs> Zumba, jazzercise, and CrossFit. Those are the three. Olympic <laughs> weightlifting, uh, yoga, bodybuilding, bodybuilding, uh, powerlifting, walking, uh, running, Pilates. Whatever, whatever it might be. Um, I'm going to ask you to look at any of those and ask. So if you say, David, is this a good movement practice? My my the the lens through which I would be looking at it, the filter is going to be the, this this series of of. Um, questions or steps. Uh, number one is that uh, we evolved needing to be able to do certain physical tasks mm. in order for us to continue to stay alive. Um, and these things are great in terms of helping us feel young because if when I say these, I want you to think about the last time that you did some of these things and it was probably when you were a kid. Uh, walking, running, carrying anything, whether that be, again, a, a, could be a suitcase, could be a backpack, could be something in your hands like, a, like groceries. Jumping, bounding, throwing, climbing, and hanging. 
so walking is one that I think most people do on a daily basis. I don't yeah. know many people, unless they're unable to, sure, who don't I mean, walk. Yeah. At, uh, and I mean, th- this also, we've probably been a little exclusionatory of people with specific uh, medical issues like muscular dystrophy or and uh that's not intentional that's it might be outside of our scope of practice but right as we say we're assuming (laughs) that you have relatively full full function or full capacity yeah range of motion um running is one that most people some people do uh that's the the lowest barrier to entry for a lot of people so there's a lot of people i think that do running that don't do anything else which i think is a good first step away from walking mm-hmm. um carrying we all typically carry of something in some of some sort but i think that there's value in um some sort of training that allows you to maximize or to find the limits of your ability to carry mm-hmm. um and then you can if you're carrying if you practice carrying 70 pound dumbbells and then you're carrying groceries it's probably not going to be that big of a deal yeah you're gonna do great <laughs> uh jumping and bounding i put these together but jumping for me is one jump and bounding would be like jumping rope or doing like a triple jump, something where you're cat, you're absorbing impact and then you're basically uh, taking off all those ground contact forces. Um, and really walking and running and carrying are all unilateral exercises. So one leg is happening at a time. One arm is seeing something different than the other arm is seeing. Once we get to jumping and bounding now, that's a two-legged activity typically. I mean, you could jump on one foot, but I'm thinking of like you take off on two feet and you jump on top of a box or um, you jump over something. Bounding would be again like you're you're taking a couple bunny hops or you're doing uh, jump jumping rope, um, and both of those are valuable from a standpoint of you're going to see a large running too, but you're going to see a large um, amount of a large impact load. So yeah. you're going to have a high amount of your body weight. So I think when you run, you hit two times your body weight in each leg. When you jump, you absorb that two times body weight as it comes down it's accelerating it's towards the ground it's good for your spinal health because it adds the compression compresses your little yep. discs and over time it's like a diamond the more pressure they're under the stronger they get yep. and this people is, are like why do I have to jump rope I'm like there's value so <laughs> elasticity is another thing that's typically associated with being young yeah. as people age elasticity goes down and so one of the great ways to maintain feeling young is to do elastic activities like jumping and bounding yeah uh, throwing and then climbing and hanging, those would be our upper body versions of uh, what the human body does. So thinking about like evolutionarily speaking, throwing would be probably like a, a spear. Yeah. Ma- maybe if you have a like a, what's it called like a slingshot type <laughs> of activity where you would be you know aiming at something a long ways away. Um, but you can also think about sports. These are things that we typically find ourselves doing in sports as well. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be valuable for. Uh, training what the shoulders are capable of doing. And then climbing and hanging is, is a, uh, you know, the shoulder technology was a brachiation technology. Like eventually at some point, if, if you believe that we came from monkeys, <laughs> uh, monkeys, arms and shoulder blades are designed very similarly to ours. And so you're thinking of swinging in trees or pulling yourself up to something. And all these are act- actions that uh, are valuable to have in a training program of some sort. And you could also think of these in a different context. And Julie was 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 harrowing me or was was uh, warning me about the the use of these next words these next words are, are very much i would say like human movement or like exercise related but it's squatting hinging lunging pushing away from you uh in, in a horizontal way so like think like a bench press or a push-up or in a in a vertical lens which would be like an overhead press pulling both vertical and horizontal and then core activities um and so squatting would be both legs happening at the same time hinging would be you're pushing your like a deadlift your or an rdl you're taking your torso towards your legs you're fo- right. forward folding and touching the ground 
Um, lunging would be one leg happening at a time. Uh, pushing and pulling would be the, the capacities of the upper body, and then core would be carrying things. So you're you're your stabilizer uh, resisting act, resisting rotational work. You are uh, causing rotational work. All those activities. Yeah, and people might be thinking, you know, why why is that important? Why is a hinge important? And it's just kind of our our body and our joints moving the way that they were designed to move and practicing those positions uh, because. You know, if we can hinge to pick something up from the ground while keeping our core tight, you know, we're going to greatly decrease our chance of developing back pain, you know, yep. and um, even just kind of just even thinking little bits in your daily life as we're standing, you know, oh, what happens if I activate my glutes or I kind of have this external rotation in my hips? What what muscles are turning on um, and just, yeah, practicing those types of things. And I think to, to, to Julie's point there. Um, when we're looking at these movement patterns, and that's what I would refer to those as, as movement patterns, as opposed to a movement which is like the back squat or the overhead squat, mm-hmm. um, what you're doing it with is less important. It's the fact that as a human, these are things that we, we do. Yeah. You look at a baby and a baby, when it picks something up off the ground, it looks like a squat. Oh my gosh, babies have the best squats. Uh, when you look squat at, goals. as things get heavier, when people pick up a, a, do- a bag of dog food, that looks like a deadlift. It looks like a hinge. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about like putting something up on the top shelf of your um, your kitchen, which is actually a really great habit, to, to, if like you're like <laughs> want to keep yourself feeling young and not go to a gym, put all the cat the the, the pans that you you traditionally use on the highest shelf. <laughs> Force, make it make it more challenging as opposed to yeah, easier. Yeah, because I mean, you have to pick your arm up way over your head. But putting something up over on the sh- on the shelf overhead would be a way. Like if you get up off the ground, uh, in, in a way that looks like a push up, that would be pushing. Like these are things that the body does and as it moves through space, and the more um, physical literacy, which is a good term that I like to th- to think about, the 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 more movement. Um, solutions that you have mm-hmm. the more resilient you will be as a human yeah if you only have one movement solution the minute it's taken away you're going to be in a lot of a lot of trouble i have a lot of, of clients that are this way where it's like they they've run into some sort of pain issue and they don't know how to get around and it's like well we need to th- solve the problem of sitting into a chair a little bit differently than you have in order for you to not experience pain so that your body can heal itself totally um, the next one is I like to think of whenever we do any type of quote unquote training, which is typically what we think of with exercise, we're doing so for some sort of to elicit some sort of adaptation. Um, and CrossFit, again, I'm going to be a little bit biased here, has these 10 components uh, or general physical skills, which are cardiorespiratory endurance, your heart, right? Heart and lungs, heart and lungs. So your body's ability to intake oxygen and deliver that oxygen to the the use, using mu- or whatever muscles it's using. Cool. Flexibility, which Julie kind of talked about earlier. I would call that as ranges of motion about a joint. If you can't um, close a joint or open a joint all the way, um, that's going to be something that's probably going to limit your ability to solve some of those movement problems. Strength. Uh, stamina, those are kind of terms that go together. Strength would be your body's ability to lift a load one time. Stamina would be your body's ability to lift that load multiple times or move that load multiple times. Power and speed, these are the concepts of starting to move fast. So if you're going to running, bounding, jumping, you're going to start worrying about not just moving your body weight, but moving your body body weight quickly. Um, Coordination, uh, accuracy, balance, and agility. And those are all the neurological skills where um, typically whenever we are you know, as we age, if we lose our coordination or we lose our agility or our balance, typically that leads to slips, trips, falls, broken 
hips, yeah, broken bones. Not being which, able to catch yourself as you fall. Which, when you combine that with as we age, we typically lose our bone density. That that leads to really, really bad health outcomes as you get older in life. So typically engaging in some sort of activity that's going to find a balance of these 10 skills, and maybe it's not one activity, maybe it's multiple activities, is a good way to go about uh, what's called bulletproofing or making yourself a more resilient human. Bulletproof, I like that, except you're not really bulletproof. More resilient. Yeah, <laughs> more not, resilient. Yeah. Um, and one of these major ones is when we talk about uh, last in the nutrition episode, we talked about increasing muscle mass. And when you eat, eat protein in order to make that happen, really what you're looking to do is you need to make sure that your training stimulus is driven or is dedicated towards that growth of muscle mass. And the way that happens is you have to have a stimulus that's a little bit greater than what your body's capable of handling. So if you're like I like if you say that muscle mass is super important to you and all you're doing is push-ups. That can be done. You just need to make push-ups challenging. You need to continue to find sure. a way to make them more challenging, or over time your body will adapt in such a way that it's not—it's going to be more efficient at that movement, and no longer will it be a stimulus to elicit some yeah. sort of muscle mass. But then, even thinking back to number two, if like all we're doing is push-ups, we're really building our pectorals and our biceps. But then, if we run into shoulder pain, we've got to turn around the, the backside yep. of the body. And, and balance then is always going to be important. Train, too. train the pullers as well. You know, because our arms can push and they can pull. Training one might lead to an imbalance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. Uh, and so whenever you're looking at your movement path, path whatever movement movement practice that you're getting yourself into, those are some good mm, filters, litmus tests that you can kind of take yourself on. If you don't feel like the one the movement practice that you're doing is doing those things, or you do and you don't feel like it's sustainable, it's still worth trying trying and or again the bruce lee context of take that which is as valuable to you and discard the rest yeah and keep moving forward realizing that uh it's kind of like the same idea with nutrition you're not going to wake you're not going to do it so well that one day you don't have to do it anymore mm -hmm. movement's the same thing <laughs> you're not going to do movement so well that one day you don't have to move movement anymore movement nirvana so at some point you're going to have to integrate it into your life and your lifestyle and realize that it's about enjoying it and enjoying the process and hopefully these concepts help help with that. Yeah, and help you uh, have some ideas to explore through. Um, you don't always need like a specific training program. It can literally just be as simple as, I'm going to try jumping. I'm going to try watching TV in the bottom of a squat position. It can be. I think sometimes having that formula can be exciting and fun. But once again, back to those core values and number one, what's actually important to you? Uh, and I will say, my, I guess my last caveat, my disclaimer here is um, there's a lot of these things that it's, if you have low kinesthetic awareness, which is a fancy way of saying you are not super familiar with what it looks like to have good technique or to be a good mover or to feel good while you're moving. First of all, you can use a camera and videotape yourself. There's a lot of these things that you can find on YouTube in terms of like, how do I deadlift with good form? Or finding a coach can be probably one of the best ways to do that. So how, important. Finding somebody who can give you feedback in the moment of, of how you're doing um, is we're, super huge. Yeah, we're not supposed to just automatically know these things. But also don't let the fear of having bad form stop you from even starting. Yep. You won't know what your bad form is until you just jump in the deep end and see see how it goes. <laughs> and the second part, disclaimer number two, is that uh, if you have, it's like the, the, the concept of progressive overload. If you have not been running at all, don't go listen to us and be like, oh, wow, I'm going to go run 10 miles today. Start small. Yes. Little baby steps, like is that concept of you crawl and then you walk and then you run. Like build to those things. So if you've never, if it's been 20 years since you jumped, maybe you start with a, a one-leg 
leaving one leg landing on the next leg. And then you work on trying to leave two legs and land on two legs without jumping to anything. You're just on the ground. Right. And then you work your way toward a, a small step or a box or whatever. Jumping onto a, a small step. Yeah, three inches off the ground. That's and that, huge for And people. that concept of meeting you where you are and taking you wherever you want to go uh, will, will, will lead to a lot of um, progress cool. in this world of movement. Yeah. You got anything else for him, Julie? Lordy, I don't think so. That was a lot of stuff, and I think it was... Was it? Was I right? Was it not what you thought it was going to be? Hopefully useful. <laughs> we'll probably have another podcast where we go into some of these things a little bit more yeah, fully. Yeah, it's funny. As we're talking, I'm like, oh, I would love to do a podcast about how to build muscle mass. That's probably going to be an episode, right? Yep. Um, or things like how to integrate these silly things into your day. Um. Oh, it's funny. The more we talk, the more I'm like, ooh, we got to talk about that. Ooh, we got to talk about that. That's why we made this podcast. It's going to be so great. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in for the uh, movement for everybody. Um, uh, if you will, the the state of the human fitness. Movement. Movement union. union. Um, the sister's episode to our nutrition episode. We're very thankful that you guys are, are tuned in and, and listened to this for the entirety of that podcast. Yay! I know. It was a big one. We don't have any questions because I need to still ask for some. We're, we're building our social media presence. Well, we're getting there, but hey, we got to start somewhere. And this this is the most important stuff for us that we want to get to you on these on these full episodes and whatnot. So thank you guys so much. Speaking of movement, I'm tired of sitting on the floor, sitting on the floor <laughs> and kneeling. So it's time for us to get up and move around. Time for us to move. Yeah! Hopefully you guys do too. Check out a, a walk and talk and... We'll talk to you next time. Yeah. See you next time. Thanks for listening this week. And be sure to rate and subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Let us know what you think and submit questions to beinghumanfitnessandnutrition at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at beinghumanfitnessandnutrition. And if you want to support us or get bonus content, subscribe to our Patreon. We are incredibly excited to start this journey with you, and we appreciate any and all support. See you next week.